0: Hi friends, I'm Tanya Luna, psychology researcher and educator.
1: And I'm Brian Lee, and I was completely wrong about what teasing your hair means. And you're listening to Talk Psych, Talk Psych to, to me.
0: me, a show where we take research out of the lab and into the streets.
1: Let's get into it.
0: What did you think teasing your hair meant?
1: In the 80s, that was a big thing. So my mom would go to the hair salon. She'd be like, yeah. And then she'd try to tease my hair. So in my mind, I was like, does this have something to do with, yeah, your hair, ah, making fun of it somehow? Because when I see what teasing your hair looks like, it doesn't look like anything how I was teased in the playground. Okay.
0: And just so that listeners don't lose all respect and willingness <laughs> this to This is when listen, I was a kid. You were like he, he, an infant. Like, you were Yeah, like, I was like 14, 15, 16 years old. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So, before we get into some actual educational content, what the? Today I want to give some shout outs to two amazing Talk Psych listeners, Stephen Sosa and Hickory. You both give us motivation to keep this psych party going.
1: That's right. My cousin Stephen has a wonderful podcast called Screen Addicts. Yes, you have and... to
0: listen to it. Yeah, I have. No, not you. I know you have. Oh, I'm saying, oh. you <laughs> listeners
1: have to listen to it. It's They're great. They are
0: addicted to the screen. You'll get addicted to the podcast.
1: Very funny and very engaging.
0: You can help keep the psych party going by leaving reviews, ratings, and sharing the show with others. That's right. We have a psych party? This is the psych party. <laughs> I feel this like I, I tricked you into going to a party. Seriously. I was like, how oh, are we going to a psych party? And at today's party, we're going to be talking about the psychology of the seven deadlies.
1: Yes. As we have been. Yep. What are we up on?
0: We are going to be talking about the psychology of... Can I guess...
1: Envy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you never let me guess. I'll let you guess next time. All right. We have what? We have uh, uh, lust Gluttony. And gluttony. And lust. Okay. All right. So buckle in. We're going to be talking about the psychology of envy. We'll talk about how it applies to current events as well. And usually I would start by asking you, Brian, to define it because you're quite good at that, as it turns out. But this time, let's talk about what happens when we play foosball. <laughs> oh. For listeners who aren't familiar with foosball, it's like a game of table soccer or table football, Completely depending on where biased. in the world you're it, it, it's, listening. It's, it's not... And I'm very good at it's it. It's
1: not an accurate depiction of any kind of ability. If I'm not mistaken, I got to look into the history of it, but I think it favors women. So I, what's I have really to...
0: cool is you're basically defining Envy for us right now. <laughs> How do you see Envy showing up for yourself when we play?
1: I have no envy. I, I have zero envy. <laughs> oh. Fun
0: fact about envy, it's one of the few emotions that we as humans don't talk about. There's this concept of transmutation. When we feel envy, we're so uncomfortable by this emotion that we immediately turn it into something else. <laughs> <laughs> that was Even me in transmor- our own
1: <laughs> Transmorphing. <laughs> that's yeah,
0: the off brand transform. Okay.
1: You know why envy's not talked about? Why? It shows weakness. Mm. Envy is a desire for something else, right? What I want from someone else or what I want that they have.
0: Right. So if you reveal your envy, it's almost like you're admitting a feeling of inferiority.
1: Yeah. When I was a kid, my cousin Rick had this Batman car. Are you super... talking about
0: the Batmobile?
1: More specifically, this it was this beautiful car. Does he have
0: other cars or is it just the Batmobile? Yeah, he
1: has other vehicles. And are what they he...
0: each called the and Batmobile? And they're not called
1: the Batmobile. That was just for the TV show. Like he never says to the Batmobile in the comic. He just has his car. Do you call it the mobile? When you're like Hey B We gotta go to the store To the Tanya Mobile No You just get in the car I will
0: now (laughs) I didn't know That was an option Well right now Because you don't have Your license Your your shoes
1: are the Tanya Mobile So my cousin had this It's called Superpowers And it was this String of action figures That were really awesome And Batman and Robin Had this accessory The Batmobile It was really cool You pressed a button And the headlights Popped up It made sounds It
0: was like Like what What kind of sounds
1: you know yeah i don't know if it made all those sounds but anyway it was pretty cool I, right now i felt like the guy from police academy so he had this thing and i would go over and secretly i would like have such resentment for him mm. because he had this toy that i didn't have he would pull it out and he was very careful with it too i was allowed to like hold it but i couldn't like run it on the carpet you know like i couldn't like roll it on the ground and then he would put it away and i was so envious of that
0: what did it feel like
1: I was ashamed because I, I love my, my cousin is like one of my favorite people on the planet. He was so important to me, and yet I still had this gross thing. It felt oh, like um, it just felt really gross. That it was like I, that
0: poisonous. I, yeah,
1: it just felt like the like like there was like a darkness inside of me. You know, yeah. like the and I was I mean, meanwhile I was like in the third or fourth grade, and yet you I you had still... just
0: found out what teasing your hair meant. <laughs>
1: No, that was later. That was like when I was a senior in high school. But uh, it was just really hard to to balance that.
0: It's a really, really unpleasant emotion. And I
1: also found myself being extra nice to
0: him. Oh, reaction formation is what Freud would call it.
1: So I had reaction formation. Would give him my half of the hot dog if I didn't. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Here, you (laughs) want more Dr. Pepper? Anything I had was his because I felt like...
0: Jeez, I I feel like I should get a Batmobile.
1: (laughs) No, I, I have my own Batmobile now.
0: <laughs> but my point is, because it's such an uncomfortable emotion, because in many ways it's shameful, because it makes us feel all these bad things inside, we don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's dangerous because we still feel it and we still act on it. And so that's why I'm excited to be having this conversation today, because it's one of those emotions that is universal. And yet we have such a bad association with it that we're afraid to even put words to it.
1: Well, let's put some words to it right now. Let's what are you envious of me?
0: I actually don't feel envious of you often. What? what I do feel for you is admiration.
1: Is this reaction formation?
0: No, I admire the <laughs> heck out of you, Brian what, what would you say is the difference between admiration and envy?
1: Admiration is positive. It's something you look up to someone for. You respect these qualities you... Um, these
0: qualities that often you don't have.
1: But that maybe you want to strive for. It's not something that, solely belongs to this person, something that you can achieve too.
0: Ah, so it sounds like the thing that you're noticing is different about admiration is that I feel like someone else has this thing I want, but I feel like I can also get it.
1: Yes, yes. Okay,
0: all right, cool. Well, we're going to come back to that. Now, just mostly because this is one of my pet peeves, can you also clarify, as you have in the past, I think it might have been way back episode two or something Mm -hmm. like that. What is the difference between envy and jealousy?
1: An example of both is my envy for the batmobile, Rick's batmobile, mm-hmm. and his jealousy and possessiveness of that batmobile. I was envious of him and he was jealous of that batmobile. Right. He didn't want me pawn on it. And, uh, okay, maybe occasionally I kissed it. No wonder he was jealous. Well, I mean, I tried not to let him see I kissed it, but, uh, you know, it's hard to... Right,
0: okay, so envy is wanting what someone else has. Mm -hmm. Jealousy is being territorial or guarding your own possessions or what you feel are your possessions or rightfully yours. I
1: used to be like that with my comic books. The first time I gave you one of my comics to read, you, like, uh, rolled it up like a little tight newspaper and it was all creased. I, I just don't understand. I don't know. You treated it like one of your things.
0: So what's the point of your story? So you were jealous? No, I'm just saying, like, I was possessive of my comics. I (laughs) was jealous. And then you learned not to be where I just stopped reading your comics. No, no, no. You just stopped reading my comics. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Excellent. Let's see if we can make more progress with Envy. Maybe we'll do a different episode and help you loosen up that tight grip on those comics at some point. Today, let's talk about what prompts (laughs) Envy. I'm going to share some details from Lockwood and Kunda's study, in which they had first-year undergraduate students learn about another student who was doing exceptionally well in school. Mm-hmm. And these were students who actually cared about doing well. Now, I know you were voted best all around in school, right. so maybe this right. is a hard phenomenon to imagine, <laughs> but na-na-na-na. phenomenon. Let's say you're a freshman and I now tell you about another successful student.
1: I didn't care about that. I envied other athletes.
0: Okay. So that's really important what you just said, right? Because we don't envy people who are good at something or who have something. We need what psychologists call domain relevance. Mm -hmm. We actually need to care about the thing that they have. So it's not like we always envy people who have more than us. We envy the people who have the thing that we want. Yes. Okay, so we need domain relevance, but there's another really important characteristic. These first-year students, if they learned about a successful fourth-year student, they felt inspired. But if they found out that this super successful student was a first-year just like them, that prompted envy. Okay. So the two biggest predictors of envy are domain relevance, so they have something we actually want, and similarity. The closer someone is to us, this person who has the thing that we want, the more the envy boils up inside of us. I guess
1: I can see that a lot with acting if there's a celebrity like say Bradley Cooper you're like wow I look up to this person but like say I'm in the same class with someone and that person gets a part in a series or something then you're like oh that son of a bitch like I that's what I want that's what I I should because we're right next to each other I could reach out and yeah
0: yeah and that's exactly how it works so we very rarely feel envy when someone feels like they're in a totally different category or they had a totally different start but the more similarity there is the more we feel it this effect is ageless, although it does seem to affect younger people more and cross cultural. So, for example, Shawbrook and Lamb, they asked bank tellers in Hong Kong to rate which coworkers were most similar to them. And then they kept observing them mm-hmm. for a while. And they checked in later when these bank tellers didn't get promoted while others did get promoted. Oof. And what they found is that the people who didn't get promoted were most envious of promoted colleagues who they rated as more similar to themselves.
1: That happened a lot when I was coming up in operations. I had this pretty large staff of like over thirty people. So what I was doing was I was promoting these people up to like supervisor position. Of the thirty semi people, I was only promoting like seven or eight. So it created some tension among the group because they were all at the same level.
0: Yeah. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about what Envy makes us do to start Mm -hmm. to unpack why it's considered one of the seven deadly sins in the first place. I'm going to share with you a scenario from a study by Silver and Sabini. They showed college students a video of three people. Mm -hmm. One person says something like, hey, I just got accepted to Yale for graduate school. (laughs) The other person, his friend, did not get into the school he wanted. He turns to the other person in the scene and he says something. If he's feeling envious, what are some examples of things he might say?
1: F that guy. <laughs> he's only getting that because of X, Y, Z. That guy sucks. Wait, I it's an
0: example of X, Y, Z?
1: Because his dad gives money to the, to the thing or his mom gives money to the school.
0: So wait, if his mom gives money to the school, what's the thing that his dad gives money to? To the
1: school. <laughs> also the school. I heard... His dad is sleeping with the dean. I heard his mom beat up the dean.
0: Right. Yeah. So, envy doesn't just make us covet. It ma- Do people still say covet?
1: I do, whenever I quote Hannibal Lecter.
0: What I was trying to get at is envy doesn't just make us want what we don't have. It also makes us hostile toward that person that Hell has yeah, the thing does. That we want. In some cases, making us undermine them, as you just did with your friend who got into Yale. F that guy. <laughs> or even hurt them, like Caesar, Cain, and Abel tanya freaking harding which frankly sucked because that was the only other tanya that anyone knew
1: wait there's no other popular tanyas
0: not in the u.s
1: what about tanya harding (laughs) (laughs) i honestly can't think of another tanya i'm working on it and it all that keeps coming up is harding harding and i'm like hey can i hear harding (laughs) yeah i don't
0: want to be associated with malicious envy
1: oh my god and that was like the epitome of envy.
0: Right. It's like, I want the gold and I'm gonna... No,
1: I want what she has. Right. Not the gold necessarily.
0: And that's the thing about envy that I think makes it fall into the seven deadly sins category is that envy can do something within us that makes us go, you know what, I want what you have, but if I can't get it, we'll both go down. I'm happy or I'm satisfied as long as you can't get it either.
1: Yeah, I so wonder how many violent crimes can tendency. can be achieved. Like obviously a lot of violent crimes, I'm not going to say all of them, but a lot of them are spur of the moment reactionary.
0: There's a lot of evidence that you're right about crime where people will consciously or unconsciously justify their actions by saying they don't deserve that. Mm-hmm. And so you take because you convince yourself that it's not rightfully theirs anyway. This happens very often in the workplace. For example, Duffy and team found that envy makes us undermine people's reputations by gossiping and ostracizing the envied person, Hmm. especially high-performing envied people.
1: My mom, if we bought something like, say, expensive, like a new pair of sneakers or something like that, my mom wouldn't let us wear them out in the neighborhood. Because she was afraid someone would want them yeah. and do something to you to take them. So she was actually trying to prevent envy. She was afraid some kids would come over same and. Same thing in my culture. To, yeah. You
0: never, well, my culture was a little bit more superstitious too because it was believed that if you brag about something you have, it would incur envy and then people would send these like bad vibes at you and then you would get sick.
1: Oh, yeah. No, we had the same thing. Oh, with, you have
0: the oho, right? Yeah, Isn't we, that we have the oho. We have like. yeah. envy.
1: Well, it's also bad. Like you can get the oho too. You went to this lady and I think I talked to her. I don't know if I talked about her in, in, before in the podcast named Gloria and we went to her and she was a, I guess the easiest way to describe her is she was a, like a priestess or... or like a w-
0: spiritual...
1: You might want to, some people called her a witch and you went to her for good fortune. You paid her money and she would give you blessings and give you these little vials uh, filled with, I don't know, oils and and cloves and all kinds of, like minerals and rocks and stuff or whatever. But she would also throw whammies on people if you wanted and, and for people listening
0: who aren't sure what throwing a whammy is oh
1: i think they know at this point <laughs> uh so so if you wanted to throw a whammy on somebody it could be because like they're doing better than you you oh, know wow and, yeah
0: so you don't have to gossip you can use you
1: could use Gloria and she will go there and put that brujadilla and like whammy someone right out of their Volvo they just got and
0: what's interesting <laughs> is that Duffy and Shaw found that Feeling envy resulted in lower performance for the entire team. So if one person was really envious, it actually brought down the performance of the Mm. entire team. Envy can also be poisonous to ourselves, leading to disengagement from work, resentment, depression, and even poor physical health for people that feel chronic envy. For example, in a study by Ewan and team, people who spent more time passively browsing Facebook Mm -hmm. and looking at other people's profiles had more depressive symptoms.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a great example, though. When I was at my worst, when I was depressed, Facebook was a killer to me because people were just posting their successes and their yeah. their things. And I actually was to the point where I actually wanted to start posting about my downs and my depression because I think that would have helped more people in my position. because Why didn't you? I, I was too depressed. <laughs> I, was too, I was too down in the dumps. It did lead to a lot of envy, yeah. you know, on my part because you're already feeling, you're already in this dark place where you couldn't give a shit about yourself and then you're seeing all these things, you know, people like you said that you know that are right next to you, not celebrities.
0: Yeah. Like. I remember feeling like actually physically sick with envy this one time on an airplane this was years ago when I had a company that organized surprise experiences and it was doing pretty well at the yes. time, but like just okay, I would say. And in front of me was that airplane magazine. What's it called?
1: Air mag. Air <laughs> <laughs> Airboy.
0: Uh, um, Airboy. <laughs> <laughs> Centerfold airplanes. Um, whatever that's called. I feel like the, there's like a, a name for this magazine that everyone knows. Sky Miles? Anyway, point is, this magazine was Sky there. Sky
1: Miles are things.
0: Yeah, maybe. Yeah. So, Sky mag. So I look at so I look at this magazine, open it up, and there's a feature story about this company that does mystery experiences. What the? <laughs> and look, I should have been like, wow, great. The industry is growing. Like, look, I could learn from this company. But because it was also based in New York, oh. it was run by a woman around my age. I just was filled with this sickening feeling of envy and i actually felt it in myself i was like i bet that she got funding and i bet that <laughs> she grew up wealthy and you know that kind of stuff started actually going through my mind before it, i even knew it
1: is that the woman you wanted me to go in Galuli and do what galooly her Galooli? kneecaps what that was tanya harding's uh <laughs> husband <laughs> and they, they called that sabotage Galuli
0: no, you know, I mean, I'm not... To her knees. Luckily, by the time the airplane landed, I had like talked myself out of that
1: Yeah, but no, it's, it's really easy. It, it's a thing we all feel that we would never... Like, this is the first I've heard of that. Like, you never told me that. It's interesting because like those envious feelings we, we want to get rid of, we want to purge as soon as we can because we know deep down inside, it's really bad. It's shameful. It, it's shameful. Yeah, right. yeah.
0: Looking back, I should have reached out to that woman with the mystery business and been like, hey, super cool that you're doing this. I'd love to learn from you. What if I even said, oh, I saw you in the magazine, how cool made me so envious and I love love to learn from you and how can I help you
1: I love that I love like any anything you're shameful about I love like you owning because it's only going to help you get better like even now talking about the Batmobile and my cousin I mean (laughs) it's we're we're laughing about it but I did feel really terrible about it because I love my cousin I love him dearly and the fact that I had this thing that was it was a thing a pl- piece of plastic that made me feel resentful of him.
0: Right. That's why I think we gotta talk about this. In more extreme cases, I mean, like in my case, no, I did not put a gabili or what was it called? Galuli. Galuli onto the mystery woman's <laughs> kneecaps. <laughs> Um, but there's a lot of research that looks at envy and its role in some really significant violence. So, for example, social scientist Peter Glick writes about the role of envy in Nazi Germany. Mm. And based on Glick's analysis after World War One, many Germans felt envious of Jewish people's relative success which triggered hostility and also led Germans to start rationalizing why Jews were not deserving of their success. That's that super dangerous combo where there's perceived power and perceived moral inferiority at the same time. Okay, so I'm going to ask an intentionally controversial question. Oh, shit. Based on Glick's analysis, one Mm -hmm. could also then transfer that to, for example, what black people are experiencing, people of color, women, anyone in a marginalized group. And we say things like, you're only successful because of privilege, Is that the same thing as envy leading to this rationalization? They have what I want, and therefore, I am going to tell myself that they are not deserving of it.
1: No, because Black people aren't saying, I want what white people have. What they're saying is, we want the same opportunity. The way I relate to it is that when there are police in our neighborhood, not visiting us, but next door i still feel nervous i know they're not coming to my house
0: and so we have some people who live in our neighborhood who are white and the cops seem to be going there quite often And like both made the comment probably their whiteness has something to do with the fact that that person hasn't been arrested yet
1: yeah is that envy it's i'm envious of that because when they pull in they're not scared They're not worried that they're going to get shot. They're screaming at the cops. They're yelling at them, telling them to get the F out and blah, blah, blah. I can't do that. In those instances, there's a high probability that it's going to end poorly. Even if we don't get shot, beaten, tased, brutalized. Period.
0: Well, and that's why I wanted to bring this up because I do think that one of the deep down emotions that if you're in a marginalized group, you feel when you see someone who has advantages. I do think that's envy, but I actually think this is one of the really constructive aspects of envy mm-hmm. where it lights something up in you that goes, Hey, I also want that. Yes. And yes, sometimes we can trick ourselves and rationalize and say things like this person isn't deserving of it. So I want to take it. But sometimes it just forces you to look at the facts and say, maybe not, can I take it from them, but can we change the system so that we all get access to it? So
1: basically right now, it's terrible that we have to be envious of civil rights. Yeah. But there has to be. There has to be a want of change and that has to come from a a level of envy, I guess. I mean, I I see what you're saying about it being controversial because that could easily be misconstrued as like, I want what white people have. And it's not because like, if I'm looking at it from an actor's point of view, from a actor of color what I want is the same opportunities to audition for roles like I would love to audition for Wolverine or something you know like I would love that opportunity to do that I do envy that
0: but I think what's useful about understanding envy psychology is to recognize that the way that we might cope or the way that you might cope with that feeling is to go the people who have those roles are not deserving of it Mm -hmm. but instead what's probably more constructive is to say let's step back and look at the system the system is not fair. Because I think the danger of letting envy switch on that interpersonal hostility versus a focus on systems change is that we then have this collective perception of scarce resources. There's only so many jobs. There's only so many roles. And you see this now from people in a more dominant group, from white people, from men. I can't tell you how many times I've heard in companies that seem really progressive, white men say things like, oh, the only way you can get a promotion here is if you're a woman or you're black or you're non-white. <laughs> and you laugh yeah. at that. But white people are not everyone, obviously, but especially in these maybe smaller towns where there's poverty, where there's a lot of scarcity, that then triggers envy where you go, well, how come all of these people are getting all these social benefits? How come there are scholarships for people of color for native americans how come there aren't scholarships for me who's dirt poor and white i think that's envy on both sides
1: right i mean i had to sit in a classroom of white actors it was me and another young lady who were the only people of color talking about how it was so hard for them now because they only want brown skin on TV now. And they were actually complaining about this. It's just so actually... weird
0: because last time I turned on the TV.
1: Friends was still <laughs> Friends was still Snow White, baby. But the Shit. That perception
0: is there, right? There's this this perception of scarcity is incredibly yeah. well, dangerous. I, I
1: think that what's great about this movement now is that years in past when black people and black lives matter and people of color have protested against this. They've only ever met another group of counter-protesters. So what you hear is you see this one group feeling this way and this other group feeling this other way. Us versus them. And it's people versus people. When this time it's people versus system. For the first time that I've ever seen in my lifetime, that they're actually aiming up towards the system. So they're no longer fighting people against people. Yeah. They're fighting against people against systems. But
0: those counter-protests or even things like All Lives Matter, that I think those are all signs of envy. It's saying scarcity. People going, you're trying to take away my life mattering. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, That's not... I mean, of I'm not going to get into what the, the I mean, I'm so sick of, of having to explain what, what that means to people uh, and then still not, they still don't get it. So I.
0: But I think what's really important is we're not acknowledging for those people that are having those feelings. It's coming from a place of fear. It's Absolutely. coming from a place of I'm going to be forgotten or I never even had good opportunities. What,
1: what people are forgetting on that side is that it's Americans fighting for America. When it's... I
0: think that the people who are joining the movement are able to look at it through the perspective of not how can I give away my piece of pie but how can we grow the pie right how can we if we all join actually make something bigger and better together versus just or how
1: can we fit more chairs at the table
0: yeah or how do we build a new table or
1: how do we get rid of the table why
0: are we sitting at a table
1: why are we sitting at a table Why are
0: so no one's even sitting at tables anymore why are we eating pie so I really think now is the time where we have to start to understand envy because envy can be doing horrible things to mm-hmm. us and our, would you call them earthlings, earthlings. earth neighbors, <laughs> earthlings. or it could be a source of fuel for social change. Remember last week we talked about how pride comes in two flavors.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: What were those two flavors?
1: I think it was sherbet and vanilla.
0: <laughs> sherbet's not even a flavor. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't need ice cream. <laughs> so,
0: <one laughs> And sherbet's not ice cream. Okay, so one was hubristic, bad pride. One was authentic. Or good, healthy pride. Otherwise known as sherbet and vanilla. Uh, And it turns (laughs) out that envy also comes in two flavors. So there's malicious envy.
1: And rocky road.
0: (laughs) (laughs) And rocky road. Mm. Um, Malicious envy is the cine type of envy.
1: Uh, The Batmobile.
0: The Batmobile envy, exactly, Mm -hmm. or the All Lives Matter envy. But there's another kind of envy that researchers talk about, malicious envy and benign envy. You were right, vanilla envy. It's (laughs) vanilla. It's vanilla envy, otherwise known as benign envy. And it's a longing for what others have without the hostility. So with benign envy, researchers Cohen, Karash, and Van de Ven found that benign envy actually leads us to learn from the other person we envy and try to improve. So it's more like admiration, but even if we feel that pang of pain, it's kind of like if you went, what can I do to get this Batmobile also? How can I save up some money for it maybe? Uh, or for me, going back to that mystery business woman, it could have been me going, oh, yeah, I do feel envy, but what did she do to get into this yeah, magazine? Yeah. How can I learn from her? How can I even maybe help her? So malicious envy can get us to do horrible things. But if you feel benign envy, it can actually be this push to actually say, hey, how can I get that? Maybe not at the expense of others, but how can I learn from what's worked and actually get that for myself?
1: So in Ocean's Eleven, it's benign envy, yet they commit a crime. So then it's malicious envy. Okay. But they're likable. <laughs> <laughs> the whole thing about Ocean's Eleven is that Danny Ocean gets out of prison, wants to knock off a casino, well, because, three casinos. Because he believes it's unjust? No, because oh, it's a lot of money. His wife. And his wife is his, his ex-wife is dating this guy. Yeah, that's Who just happens to be a dick. But like, it's not a crime to be a dick. You just so so you have some
0: shady business practices. It's legal. Yeah, so why are you defending so, Danny Ocean?
1: I'm not. What I'm saying is, that's what's so confusing, is that envy is good if it's a group of people that look a certain way. Mm. And it's not so good. You're saying it looks it's, good
0: if you look because like George it, Clooney. It,
1: it, but <laughs> if you, like, say, or Idris Elba... It would be like a knock over the armored car, shoot everybody, take the money. But Danny Ocean, if you look like George Clooney and Brad Pitt, then you all get together and (laughs) form this plan and you have one black dude and everybody's great. (laughs) And it's about justice. And it's about justice and righting the wrong. Even though he stole like hundreds of millions of dollars from this casino that was running completely legitimately. And he just happens to be dating
0: his his ex-wife who divorced him because he lied to her in prison. Is there you seem very upset about this. Is there like a group of people out there that are like F George Clooney <laughs>
1: Like more Danny Ocean. Like I just, that movie's always confused me.
0: Don't look at me. I don't, I always thought that it was morally very confusing. But okay, going back to benign envy, the good, useful kind of envy, vanilla envy. Author Gretchen Rubin suggests using envy as an emotion to better understand our own needs Mm -hmm. and desires. So yeah, you can use it to push yourself to improve, to push yourself to maybe help change an unjust system. Or you can also use it to understand what am I actually missing? So she said that back when she worked in law, before she was a writer, she would feel awash and envy anytime someone she knew published a book. And recognizing that emotion for her helped her actually recognize that she wanted to be a writer.
1: That's good. That's that's, a, that's the way to do it. That's kind of the point, right? Yeah.
0: So like anytime you feel envy, instead of being like, oh, this is so shameful, this is so horrible, you can just be like, okay, that means that I see that person as similar. That means that I see there being some sort of domain relevance. Well, so what is it that I'm missing?
1: I forgot who I was watching on TV several years ago. I had gained all this weight and I wasn't feeling so great about myself. And I saw this person who's about three years older than me that had just transformed their body. Uh, it was an actor. I can't remember who it was. And I was so envious because I was like, oh, this person, oh, they probably had trainers. They probably had a dietician. They probably had someone cooking their food. And I was like, or or he probably just worked his ass off, you know? So it got me to the gym. That's cool. And got me working out. And, and Well, that's where that, that coping like...
0: mechanism, this is where it's so challenging because sometimes it is privilege and injustice. And yet also, maybe there's something that you do also have the power to do. So mm-hmm. I bet that person did have a trainer and I bet they did have some sort of yeah, special but, diet. Yeah, but you
1: know, weights are weights and, and the work is... work so yeah you can have someone there training but at the end of the day he still has to push that weight off that bench just like i do
0: and the really important thing i think there is that you focused inward mm -hmm. instead of continuing to focus Right,
1: right right outward right that got me out of the house. That got me motivated, and then got me able to seek the help I needed. You know, with a professional to talk to about. Talk it's about. Very cool. But it was I needed that kind of catalyst. I needed that that envy.
0: But you would to... never start therapy if you your envy tricked you into just saying
1: and and shitting on yeah yeah fixed the system
0: is fixed the system is unfair. So that's what's so challenging about being a human. is I think you have to hold together in your mind the complexity that the system isn't fair Mm -hmm. and we have to change the system and yet also how can we shine the light inward and ask ourselves what do we have the power control to do so in our last few minutes let's talk about what do you do if you're feeling envy and aside from seeing hey is this an unjust system can i change it how can you start to cope with some of those emotions yourself Researcher and Rodin studied healthy envy coping mechanisms and found that the best responses are perseverance. So actually feeling like, oh, I feel that stab of envy. Let me use that as energy to keep working toward my goal. And the other thing is to focus inward versus outward, which is exactly what you did. One of my favorite quotes actually from Mahal Baryshnikov, the famous dancer and choreographer is, I do not try to dance better than anyone else. I only try to dance better than myself. Researchers Testa and Major also found that people who have a learning mindset suffer less from envy than people with a fixed mindset. In Mm. other words, if you think, well, this is all I can achieve and everything else is outside of my control, you're going to be racked with envy. But if you tell yourself, hey, I can do better, I can change, I have the power to get what I want, then you're much more likely to turn malicious envy into that benign, fruitful envy.
1: Not the Danny Ocean shit.
0: Not the Danny Ocean shit. But again, you wanna be careful not to just look at yourself because maybe there is an unjust system and there are opportunities to improve the system, not just for you, but for everyone. So I think the lesson from the research is really that malicious envy hurts you as much, if not more, than it hurts anyone else. Mm -hmm. So working to change an unfair system is great, but telling yourself that the world is full of evil people probably won't be as productive. And I wanna share just one more point about envy that I think is so important, especially for anyone now who has some degree of privilege and is feeling really confused about their place in this movement. So question for you. When an actor gets a role that you might have wanted, Mm -hmm. obviously, as you've pointed out, sometimes you feel resentment, but sometimes you feel happy. And I'm curious, what's different about the times that you feel happiness or what psychologists Ganoda and Bordia call positive empathy?
1: When I read that Warner Brothers, I don't know how true this is, that they were considering Michael B. Jordan for Superman, I was beside myself. Imagine what that would do for millions of young black men coming up to see that symbol on his chest like anytime i see a a a person from Texas, uh, Mexican-American or Native American. Those are the people that, yeah. And that's what's
0: so amazing. So the thing that unlocks positive empathy versus envy is feeling that we have a shared group identity. So Brewer and Gardner point out that this shifts our focus from self-interest to collective welfare. There's something so beautiful about Mm. that because we as humans, you see this tendency for self-interest. But as soon as our brains feel like someone who is like me, who is part of my group, is succeeding, our brain stops saying, oh no, I'm losing. And it starts saying, oh yes, we are winning. Hmm. So I really think that the secret to turning envy from a sin into a virtue is a matter of shrinking and expanding our identity. So shrink it to find the motivation to create a more just and equal access to advantages and opportunities or expand it to feel less threatened by other people's success, especially if you're in a place of privilege and show up not just as an ally, but as someone who is committed to other people's success in the same way that you would be committed to your own success.
1: Well, here's what's interesting with the Black Lives Matter movement. A lot of Latinos were kind of like in the beginning when this was taking off, what about us? Mm-hmm. You know, and there was some envy with the movement. While we're still in cages and all the injustices that are happening now, but what I love about what the Latino community has been doing is expanding their identity. Yeah. And they're now saying We're with Black Lives Matter because that's us too.
0: Right. And to quote the poet Emma Lazarus, who wrote this in the 1800s, so really, let's start internalizing it by now. Until we are all free, we are none of us free.
1: Beautiful. And uh, may I quote Tanya Luna when she says, if you like this podcast... (laughs) then please leave us a review.
0: Pass it on to a friend. Pass
1: it on to a friend. Pass it on to an enemy.
0: Yes. uh, Pass it on to someone you envy.
1: Reach out to us on Instagram. Talk to us. Let us know what you think. And thank you for listening to
0: Talk Talk Psych to Me.